Hello and welcome to Film Scene Tomorrow, the podcast where we speak with the film stars of tomorrow today. I am joined today by a wonderful character actor, Mr. Jeff Vernon, and we're meeting in Pasadena at the Galenga Thai restaurant, having a little lunch interview. Welcome to the show, Jeff. Hi, how are you? Very good, very good. How are you today? I'm good. Excellent. This amazing Thai curry coming over just smells wonderful. Thank you. Looks delicious. It is. I'm enjoying it. <laughs> so, how are things going? Um, mm. Lots of busy work going on lately. Yeah, things are going well. I'm happy I decided to start acting again at age 50. <laughs> so, let's, let's start off a little bit about your history. Where did you uh, get the acting bug? Well... I grew up here in Los Angeles, and my father was a character actor. Really? Yeah. My father was actually under contract at RKO Studios in 1942. Oh, wow. Right at that pivotal point when they're blowing <laughs> right, up, too. Right. He... Uh, he was uh, born in uh, Boston, and when he was 17, he decided to move to New York to be an actor, which was somewhat brave at that time. And he got cast in a show on Broadway called Best Foot Forward. And uh, his name, by the way, is, is Glenn, Glenn Vernon. And at that time... The studios out in Hollywood, they would send people to New York to look at shows. Scouts. The early casting scouts. Right. And if they thought someone had a certain look or whatever, they would invite them to Hollywood to do a screen test. So they sent someone back to New York to see Best Foot Forward, and someone saw my dad, and they invited him out to Hollywood. And uh, he was signed to RKO Studios. And he was very young. He was like 18. And um, he was very handsome. He was really good looking. And uh, he made quite a few films at RKO, mainly B films. But the first film he did was starring another actor whose first film it was, Gregory Peck. No kidding. Yeah. Both on the same one. Yes. And it was a war story. And my dad played a Russian soldier who was allied with Gregory Peck. And, you know, they had scenes together. And so you would think because of that that I would have this really strong bug to be an actor. But even though that's what my dad did, growing up, I kind of had a knack for drawing. Oh, okay. So... I actually ended up going to Art Center College of Design and I did pursue acting in my 20s uh, and this was a long time ago pre-computer pre websites where you could submit for casting through the web I mean these were the days when you'd buy Backstage West this paper <laughs> and you'd look through it and if you liked something you'd have to send in your headshot and wait to see if you heard anything and I did it for a few years and not much was happening and I thought well uh, I went to Art Center and studied illustration and uh, design and then that's what I really ended up making my living at for years illustrating children's books and all sorts of marketing and graphic design work and then when I turned 50, I always kind of uh, was interested in the acting, even during those years. years I would occasionally do small theater plays uh-huh. around town, and I took classes. I mean, so many acting classes since 1980, I can't even tell you. Uh, and always loved it. And then I decided when I turned 50, I was like, gosh, I don't know. Before I get too old and falling apart you know maybe I'll just get this one last shot here and 
Last big hurrah. Yeah, so I decided to start doing it again, and I found that older, you know, all sorts of interesting parts now that I could do, you know, more character type parts, the doctor, the lawyer, the weird neighbor, whatever it happened to be. So I got back into it at 50, and I, I've been doing that now 11 years. So a lot of my friends, you know, that are nearing retirement, you know, they're like, Jeff is 61, and he's pursuing acting. He obviously <laughs> has gone insane. <laughs> but Well, you're also kind of living your passion. Mm -hmm. Which, you know, I've always said with all of the filmmakers and uh, people involved in film that I speak about, you have to do if if you want to be a part of the industry. You do it for the love of the world. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, at this stage of the game, I really have no interest in uh, being famous or being <laughs> a celebrity. I'm like, you know, if I'm just able to act in whatever it happens to be, that'll give me enjoyment. Mm-hmm. So, but I still do design and illustration as well. Oh, okay. So you're doing both. Mm -hmm. Now you said you did a lot of uh, book illustrations. You're also mm -hmm. doing publications. What would you say is the main um, genre that you like to work in? What What do you like to illustrate? Well, my main thing is children's books. Mm. I've illustrated about eighteen. Oh, okay. Over the years. And they're all available at Amazon. You know, if you search my name with relation to books, all the different children's books will come up that I've illustrated. So that's what I do. And it's tricky. It's tricky because people get to know you for a certain thing. They get to know you for what you do. Mm -hmm. And they kind of like to pigeonhole you or... They're more comfortable if they can box you. Looking for something familiar. You know, like, oh, yes, Jeff, he's the illustrator guy. So then all of a sudden, you know, you say you're an actor. And sometimes you get odd reactions, you know. Some of your illustrator clients are like, what? What do you mean you're an actor? <laughs> you know, I've had a few instances like that. Well, I think the ironic thing is you see a lot of actors who do that the other way around. Backwards, you know, they, they'll get this huge career in acting and they say, well, you know what, this wasn't all I wanted to do with my life. And you see them putting out books, and uh, whether it's children books or other ones, and mm -hmm. they do rather well. Mm -hmm. But it is funny to see the bias that both publishers and, I don't know, to me it doesn't seem like the audience so much has the bias but publishers, you know, companies that are relying on this, they have the bias, well, no, you're, you know, you're not really an actor, you're an illustrator. Correct. Has that been your experience? Yeah, that's true. And sometimes if someone is a really well-known actor to the point of being a celebrity, if they try to come out with some paintings or a book or whatever, you know, the people, the critics are usually really critical. You know, they're like, oh, God, here we go. Right. Another actor or another celebrity is now going to come out with this. <laughs> and lots of times those people were doing that long before they became the a celebrity or the name. They just, sure. that's what they were doing and they had a great love for it. So it's a, you know, it's, it's tough keeping the plate spinning on the sticks like the old Ed Sullivan <laughs> show where you'd see the guy would spin the plates on the sticks yeah, and the try to keep the stop. plates from crashing. <laughs> so that's my life. <laughs> <laughs> so how many plates do you have up in the air right now? Well, I have not too many. I only have three. I have two children's books that I'm... Actually, excuse me, I have four plates. I have three children's books that I'm working on. Two of them are companion pieces. One is about a naughty little girl and one is about her naughty little brother. And I'm illustrating those simultaneously. And then I'm doing another children's book about 
some little kittens that are teeny tiny little kittens that you have to look at with a magnifying glass. Oh, how interesting. Yeah. Now, I'm not involved with the writing of these at all. They're all written. Oh, okay. And then the authors, you know, are either referred to me or they research online and they approach me. Mm -hmm. And then I do some sketches and if they like what I come up with, then I end up doing the gig. If they don't like what I come up with, well, then, you know, they move on and find someone else. So, But I'm doing those three books and then acting also right now So I would on, a, on, a few, on a few things. I, I would imagine with uh, these books that you're illustrating, it's a lot of hurry up and wait kind of situation. Yeah, it's, it's somewhat time consuming because I'll do an illustration, I'll sketch it out in pencil... And then I'll scan it and I'll send it to the client. And, uh, you know, a, a day or two will go by and then I'll get an email. Oh, looks good, Jeff. And they'll have, you know, changes. Quite a few sometimes, so then I have to redo the drawing. It's back and forth like that, so it, it takes time. And then once I nail the look, then I'll do it really detailed in ink. And I'll email them that, and they say, yes, that's it. And then I'll go ahead and paint it. And then I have to do that for each one. And sometimes there's 40 illustrations in a book. So it's a rather long, drawn-out affair. And then if you're disappearing for days here and there, if I'm doing an acting thing, you know, then I'll get emails. Jeff, just (laughs) wondering on that most recent (laughs) illustration. (laughs) Um... So a lot of uh, my family background is in the physical arts like that, uh, uh-huh. you know, illustration or I have a cousin that's a comic book artist as well oh, as a painter. That's great. And so I, I'm familiar with a lot of that kind of thing. And then, um, you know, there's just so much that goes into it that, you know, the, the ultimate reader really may not know a lot of this. But so you have these three books that you're working on. Again, like you said, some of them up to 40 illustrations, depending on what it is taking a long time mm-hmm. do you do you still work with ink or or paint <clears throat> well i kind of work with a combination i'll sketch by hand because I, I just happen to be quick mm-hmm. and i can sketch pretty quickly and then with the internet now google anything i need to draw i can go to google and i can reference reference it within seconds right so i can do sketches really quick so I usually do the drawings by hand scan them in and then email them and then when it comes to painting I paint by hand but then I scan the finished illustration into the computer and I modify it a little in Photoshop I, I make the color a little brighter I just make it overall look a little bit better Sure. so I use both both a computer and by hand. Well, and then with all the publications being printed digitally, a lot of times their printing process will not replicate your original painting colors. Correct. So you have to kind of improve the, um, like some of the gamma quadra, uh, gamma um, qualities and things like that. Correct. And the reason I like doing the illustrating <clears throat> and the acting is because illustrating, much like writing, is very solitary. You know, it's just me and the paint and the paper, whatever. So you can get kind of isolated or feel a cabin fever. And then the acting, that's so collaborative (laughs) and that's so many people involved. So that gets me... uh, that gets me uh, out of the house intermingling with other people so I don't become too much of a hermit. <laughs> you don't become the solo artist who's shacked up in his... Right. And the only reason the acting has been a little busier the last couple of years is two years ago, actually right now, this week, I, someone said, oh, you should take classes again. And I was like, oh, God, please. You know, <laughs> classes at 60. You know, I think that train went by a long time ago (laughs) and uh, because I've taken classes in LA since 1980 
Sure, so you, 30, 30 some odd 35 years. years ago, and one of my early classes was actually with Stella Adler, and she was still living. And I was horrible. I got up and I was doing some scene, and she goes, I- I'm going to have to stop. I'm going to have to stop you, Jeff. I, oh, no. I, I can't bear to look at you another moment. Oh, no. <laughs> so hearing Matt from Stella Adler was rather crushing. <laughs> I, I, you know, just figured, well, I'll just leave and go die now. Strong dose of reality. Right. <laughs> but I, I got better. But anyway, so two years ago, someone said, yeah, there's this new school in North Hollywood and you should check it out. It's owned by the actor James Franco is starting it. And I knew who he was, of course. And I thought, well, you know, he's so popular and now of the now. So I went and I enrolled and I took classes there for almost two years. And I really highly recommend it because if you're going there and the classes are really quite reasonable, they're not outrageously priced or anything like that. I mean, the acting class I took met twice a week and each class was over three hours so that was six hours a week and it it's about 300 a month for that so it's you know really reasonable but the the cool thing is that if you're going there taking classes you you get to audition for any projects he's doing oh that's great so he actually sees your work you you self-tape auditions and then you upload them to a certain place on their website and there's countless people that go there that have been used in things he's doing how cool so, so it's a great segue into yeah that so it's work. a segue you know i mean i didn't necessarily do it with that in mind but sure. i i went and i learned a new technique and as it turns out i took two classes that he taught and that was a great experience you know and uh, I've been in a few things that he's done. So, Small, little, tiny parts. But, mm-hmm. you know, hey. Anything. It's cool just to say I was directed by James Franco. <laughs> this young 30-something kid, <laughs> you know, directing the old man. And he knows what he's doing. So, Well, it's the old mm-hmm. adage to me is still as significant as ever that there's no small parts. Yeah. Just small actors. So, And um, he's a great teacher, so... And so you'd I'd been, recommend, uh, yeah, I'd recommend it highly. And you've been with that uh, troupe for about two years, you said? Yeah, I'm not currently taking a class there. I took a class last fall that he taught that involved writing and producing an indie feature. And they're filming that feature right now. Oh, really? And I have a small, very small little role in that. And... Uh, yeah, when that's all done, I'll probably go back and take another class. I, 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 you know, I know a lot of people there now. And, and actually, I did a short film through there, mm-hmm. and the people that were in it and made it were all people that were in my first class that I took there. And it came out really, really well. It came out really beautifully. They got, the gal got a great DP sound guy, and it just looks terrific. And I play a character in that as this old guy who sits in the park and draws people. So in that, I got to do the two things that I do. I got to draw, and I actually did do the drawings Mm -hmm. for the film. And I got to act. So I was like, you know, if nothing else happens and I don't do anything else, at least I can say that I did this little film where I was able to act and draw, and it came out well. Yeah. So that made me gratified well i've actually seen some of your illustrations on a, a small project with a friend of ours named paul garcia oh yeah did the illustrations for that film oh that's right mm-hmm. i did some sketches of seniors like myself <laughs> <laughs> well not quite i'm not quite a senior yeah if, you, I have you a, look I have, very youthful i afford i have well i have a white beard right now that was for this indie thing that i did but if I shave the beard, I, you know, I do okay. But, <laughs> yeah, I did some sketches for Paul. Yeah. Uh, 
how did that work out? I, I really liked them. I thought they looked beautiful. I think he's still finalizing the cut of that. Well, if he needs more, he can let me know. I'm happy to draw them. Yeah, well, I'll pass the word along. I know uh, he's still working on the assembly of that film, uh, a little something about Noel. Um, mm. But then you also worked on another piece for him called... Um, the Meme? The Meme. The meme? Yeah, and you, you, you had this character. Oh, where oh kinda... yeah, I'm a man on the street. Yeah. Just a moment. I come out and accost the lead and start asking <laughs> him of all sorts of stuff. I love I'm like, that. I'm like an obnoxious tur- tourist type. Well, it's great because it's it's mm-hmm. so believable. You know, the first thing out is you got your phone right in his face, and it's... it's. I think I'm wearing a floral shirt, too, <laughs> like some sort of tourist It would. is very touristy, you yeah. know? <laughs> yeah. It's so funny. How is that? I haven't seen that. It's good. It's good. He's still, um, he's also finishing that. I think they're down to their final cut right now. They're just um, extending the last shot. I think mm. uh, the credits came up a little too soon. Something like that. But uh, Actually, I, I, I believe the lead actor in that is, is in a series now. Yeah, he's on some TV series he was telling me about. And I'm, I'm unfortunately, I completely forgot who it was that, that is the lead in that. But he's got some popularity everybody uh that i've spoken to when we've had the showings because i've seen two cuts of it Mm -hmm. um they're like oh wow look at him how'd you how were you able to get him on this short and he's doing really well Mm -hmm. yeah i can't recall the name of the series but it's it's a series i believe on cbs have you uh you still talk to, to paul to who to paul Yes, we're friends on Facebook. I live vicariously through Facebook. Oh. <laughs> this is one of the rare occasions where I've actually left my house <laughs> and am meeting with a real human being because I usually, you know, everything is done through Facebook. Everything is digital these days. Yeah. So, so when I'm actually on <clears throat> set or having to interact with people, you know, I really have to pull it together. You know, like, <laughs> okay, Jeff, you're, these are real people now you're meeting. Try not to act too weird, too crazy. Because many people think I'm crazy, which you know, it's whatever. I, that's I, in the eye of the beholder. I don't. I don't care. I'm not. But you know, if that's what they want to think. You know. <laughs> well, I'm grateful that you were able to come meet with me, and I think all of our listeners are as well. Um, well, you have to be a little crazy to be an artist. See, and that's what I've been saying for my whole life. It feels like to be an illustrator and an actor. An artist in general. <laughs> yeah. I mean, really, I mean, in any format, you're walking that razor thin line of sanity and that darkness. <laughs> and I know, you know, I never had that problem that some, some young people had growing up, you know. Since my father was an actor, I never had that, you know, what do you want to do? You want to be an actor? <laughs> <laughs> you know, because he was doing it as well. So, and my mom worked at RKO Studios in the script department. Oh, really? That's where she and my dad met. And she was not an actress and had no interest in that, but she worked in the script department. She was a script supervisor. Um, at RKO, a lot of the really big celebrities, when they didn't want to come in through the entrance of the studio, they would want to sneak in. They would come in through a little door at the back of her office and she would quietly usher them to where they had to go. And she always used to tell me that her favorite was Fred Astaire, that he was the nicest, the sweetest, that, you know, he would come in, he would tap, and then she would let him in so that he could avoid a lot of hubbub up front. And that seems to me, everything you see about him behind the scenes, that he was just such a, a gentle man, you know? Yeah, Very... that was her favorite. So you... He act... and Robert Mitchum. Really? Yeah. Oh, man, I, I bet your mom just had a ton of stories. Oh, yeah. So you actually owe your entire existence to film. Yes, that's right, you, because they, met, they met. met. How funny. So growing up, I used to go visit him on sets. Mm-hmm. Um, it was fun seeing a lot of the people, you know, but I was just a little kid, so didn't <laughs> didn't really mean that much to me. It is funny, kind of the life you grow up here in Hollywood when you're living around it, how different it is, I think, from elsewhere. I've just moved back to California after being away for about six years, and 
the things I guess I took for granted are becoming more apparent to me. Mm-hmm. That, you know, we do live in Hollywood land. It was appropriately titled. Yeah, and I, I often thought that if you grow up here, like I did, I don't know if that's a help <laughs> or a hindrance, actually, because most of the young people that come here now, you know, they, they come here from somewhere else, so they have a real drive you know, if you're leaving your natural home and you're going to a strange place to be a success at whatever you're choosing to do, that, I, I tend to think that gives you a real kind of boost and energy that I didn't have because I'm just I'm just in my hometown. Sure. So I think that always might have been a bit of a deterrent hmm. to me. Because I because it's a big deal to totally leave where you grew up, your hometown, and go somewhere totally foreign, yeah, and have to be successful or at least get by. Immerse yourself in a different culture, really. Right, and I never did that. I never had that. So, I suppose I was a little more lazy. Not that I was lazy, but maybe just a little bit. Because most of the people I run into all come here from somewhere else yeah that are in that field or that arena and it's the classic story you know you go to hollywood to get discovered make it big and there's nothing wrong with that again that's that's the american dream you know that's what you have to do start from the bottom up and i think it's wonderful when people try and it again goes back to what i was saying earlier It's, it's your passion if you're following your passion then any success can be a huge success Oh yeah, you have to, you have to do what you like. And now, I figure now at this stage of the game, if I can't do what I like now, <laughs> when am I going to do it? That's it. That's it exactly. You, mean, you know, make yourself so. happy. You know. Yeah. <clears throat> so tell me about. Uh, we've been speaking for a couple of weeks now, and you were telling me about this film you were working on about Hemingway. Yeah, it uh, a fellow that I did something with a couple years ago. It's a indie film low budget and he it's about a young writer who's trying to write his first novel and he's having trouble (coughs) and he's living in Idaho and he has a chance encounter with Ernest Hemingway who was living there at the very end of his life and they happen to meet so I have I have a few scenes in it playing Hemingway the last few days of his life actually before he uh, killed himself so it's it's an interesting interesting role was it a super period piece or was that kind of less of a it, part of it it's night well it's 1961 mm-hmm. but there's not a lot of focus on that to mm-hmm. the degree of like madman or something like that because gotcha. it's mainly interiors of his home it's kind of a ranch home and exteriors outside in the kind of woodsy area of Idaho so there's not a lot of period recreation required the film has a very low budget so they didn't really do whole city street recreations with all the 61 cars but there's (laughs) little touches here and there that you get you can tell how is it for you stepping into such an iconic character? Every high schooler knows yeah. Hemingway. Well, about as you know different from me as you could get. So <laughs> that's why I didn't even understand why he kind of wanted me to do it. But uh, I did. I grew the beard in a little and read up a bit and, you know, went hunting. <laughs> no, actually, I didn't. I don't hunt. <laughs> I that would be real dedication. No, I didn't. I didn't go hunting or fishing or do any of those things. I didn't even drink. I, you know, I had one beer, I think, to celebrate. <laughs> one, one beer. But he was known for all those things, so it was interesting. But I guess at the very end, he wasn't quite that person anymore, as he was starting to have some health issues and it's rumored that he was beginning to get dementia and he wasn't writing anymore or he was having trouble writing so I'm playing him more or less at a 
rather weak part of his life, the, the downfall mm-hmm. part, which was interesting. Did but you, trying to retain the bravado. Sure. <laughs> the Hemingway that I think we all kind of have in mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you do anything specific to get into Kara? Uh, I wa- there are a few videos, actually, on YouTube of him uh, speaking. And I watched those and read The Sun Also Rises Again. And uh, that was about it. You know, read read up on him and some stories. There's a lot of crazy stories. You don't know if they're true or not. You know, of him and all his cronies and just getting into fights and loving to fight. You know, let's go outside. Let's fight. <laughs> it's not really me. You know, I just got into that mindset. You know, of being like a real macho kind of ball buster yeah <laughs> yeah i mean speaking with you 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 seem you know you're a very kind of friendly man very easygoing, yeah. easy to speak with and if he were sitting across from me right now at lunch it would be a very different experience i don't think he'd speak to you he'd probably just punch you in the face <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> let's start it let's get it thrown down james <laughs> Yeah, actually, I don't. I don't speak a whole lot actually in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, it's minimal because I don't think he was necessarily the most, you know, gar- garrulous, uh, verbose <laughs> person. Yeah, just go on and on and on. So hopefully they put it together well. I'll be excited later this year. I hope. How, where are they looking for a, a release time? Are, are they still well, post? well, it's it's yes, and uh, I guess they're looking to do the film festival route, you know. And then, uh, what's the name of the piece you're in? The working title of it is Hemingway Rising. Whether that's the final, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you can never tell until it's finally released. Correct. I mean, if he's passing away, that almost seems like the antithesis. Well, I, I know. I don't know if that's what they had in mind. So if I was in the marketing, yeah, I would be like Hemingway Falls. Yeah, right. I guess that would be more a, more of an accurate title. But maybe they decided, well, let's take the more esoteric, yeah. uh, heavenly approach. It is a very and, engaging title. Yeah, because, yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting. So I, that'll probably be what they keep the title as. So, you know, I, I, I'm i done with that now. They told me not to shave yet, though, because I may have a couple little things I have to do. Some pickups. Pickups. And other than that, gosh, what else? Just more books to illustrate. And that was that was a good lunch, I must say. I love this place. I mean, bravo to you for suggesting it. Um, this is really excellent Thai food. Yeah, it's really good. And I, I just yeah. discovered it right before uh, this meeting. <laughs> just before because we I, got here. Well, I, I thought that this inn might have had a little place that we could meet. But when I got to the inn, I saw that it, it didn't really but then I noticed this place right next door, and I thought, well, this will probably work. And it's kind of connected to the restaurant. Mm-hmm. So it worked, right? I think this is great. Very yeah. nice environment. It's not overly crowded. Yeah, it's quiet. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and let's see, what else? What else can I tell you about on the acting front? Well, le- since I still have the beard, I was lucky to work last week. Very small little thing in this film that's being done and it's a period piece set in the 1860s so when you have a beard and then you put on the 1860s wardrobe Uh you know the long waistcoats and the puffy ties Uh uh, you tend to look perfect immediately this fits right in yeah so I did I did that last week and it's was filming at uh this museum near downtown LA called Heritage Square. Oh yeah, that was a really interesting place. I actually we were just speaking about that before the show. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a great place for uh, filming a period production 
it's eight or ten, I'm not sure, old Victorian homes that were moved from their original location here in LA to this small park area near Highland Park. And then the homes were all refurbished inside and out. And you can go there, I think it's $10, and you can go on a tour. They take you through all eight of the homes. They have like docents and stuff? Yeah, they have docents that are dressed <coughs> in the period costume. And they take you through each home, and you go through the whole home, downstairs, upstairs, and they tell you who lived there at the time that the house was in its original location. So it's really interesting, and uh, I guess they rent out the park to production companies. And I know this film I worked on was through the school I mentioned that I was at, Studio 4, mm -hmm. which is the school that James Franco started. And he's used it before, because he does pieces that are period. So I guess that's how they knew about it. So it was fun being there dressed in 18th 65 clothing and well and then here you just came off of doing Hemingway in 1965 yes 100, 100 years, years later mm -hmm. and, and that was interesting uh, it's interesting our wardrobe effects in that I wore a white uh, shirt it, he tended to wear white short sleeve shirts a lot, Hemingway. Uh -huh. So I'm wearing this white short sleeve kind of billowy shirt and khaki trousers. And, you know, you get into the outfit and you look at yourself in the mirror and you're like, yeah, okay. <laughs> it's kind of working. Do you find that getting into the wardrobe actually does improve the character? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because then you just, you don't feel you're yourself anymore. You're not wearing your usual clothes. Right. And uh, you're wearing clothes that the other person would wear, and all of a sudden it's much easier to become the other person. It reminds me of, um, I'm completely forgetting the actor's name, I think it's Jeffrey something, who had played the Austrian king in Amadeus. And oh. he was in all of the full wardrobe, and he said that the wardrobe itself pulls your shoulders back, makes you sit up straight, right. and you feel very regal. And he found it very easy to get into that character. Well, it's funny. When I was wearing that 1865 slacks and shirt, and then you'd wear a vest over the shirt, and then a tie, and then the jacket over that, the waistcoat, and when you get all dressed up into all that, you feel much more formal. Mm -hmm. And um, I think I think back to the days when that's how everyone used to dress, just in their day-to-day, -day, right? You know, lives. And and even if you look at old photographs of L.A. from the '30s and the '40s, you notice people out on the street, and the men are like all in suits and jackets with hats. And the women are dressed up with gloves right. and hats. And you think, what? Yeah. You know, just to be doing their day-to-day -day and go to the market, <laughs> you'd be all yeah, dressed up do. like that. It's like, wouldn't that be tiring to have to do that every day? But I, th I don't know. You, you, you feel a little different. Yeah. You, you feel more, a little more formal. Mm -hmm. So maybe everyone acted more formal at that time or more polite I don't know because well, you're dressed in a there's a, a rigidity you know everything's sure. a little more you know how when you're all dressed up you feel a little more yeah. rigid and yeah definitely so I don't know some, some, probably the 60s this was the 60s when everything just loosened yeah and then into the 70s and you know the now the clothing became very loose very yeah, simple yeah now it's casual and you know well I think it goes hand in hand with how communication is too inner communication is so informal nowadays and you see the progression or the digression of it I would say of 
the formal of speech. I mean, speech in written words. Specifically, I love writing letters by hand. Nobody does that anymore. And well, then, not, not many. No. And then it's even been reduced more to texting, which everybody abbreviates everything. And I think it's, it's right. one of those things that's been lost. Some people don't even like really speaking on the phone much anymore. Right. Speaking. You know, right. they'll do everything with text. Or if they do have to call you, it'll be really brief. Right. Well, what happened to the conversation? And it'll be really brief now. And I really do think it goes hand in hand with how we approached life, how we treated um, even simple day-to-day things, like you said. Going along with what you were saying about the clothing things, I remember my entire life growing up watching I Love Lucy. I love the show. And I just recently realized that in the first couple seasons, Desi Arnaz was the same age I am now. And I never saw him in anything but a suit on that show. I don't think I even own a suit. Well, yeah, or he'd be in slacks and a white dress shirt yeah. with a sport jacket. And and I always thought this guy looks so sharp. He's very adult, yeah. very manly, and a know, different a different era. It was, of course. I guess I guess conversation still goes on now between families, you know, via Skype. You know, you'll have a Skype conversation. That'll be more like the old phone conversations, right. you know. We're all talking about what's going on. And, <laughs> but if you just call someone on the phone, generally now, for me, it's brief. It's yeah. like, okay, I'll be there in 10, and I'll probably text that. Right. So, in fact, we had a conversation prior to meeting here today. It was all done through text. <laughs> I was going to call you, but right. then I went, no, I'll just text them. And that has become the norm. See, I'm glad we're, we're here and we're sitting and we're having an actual conversation. Yeah, we're actually conversing. It's what needs to be preserved, even if it's only for online digital replay. <laughs> <laughs> online digital replay. Yeah, I did one of these a couple of years ago, and I, 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 I was thinking of that this morning on my way here. I can't quite recall what the show was, but it was similar. It was similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember I talked about my dad in it. So that's what brought it yeah. brought it to mind. That, you know, yeah. the other thing I wanted to ask you about was, wh- what do you think about where film is right now? Because to me, it seems like the theatrical films they're struggling. Well, it's a, kind of a double-edged sword. Uh, lots of the really good indie films are made by independent filmmakers, and then you have. The studios make the big blockbuster, mega budgeted films because that's what the general masses of the public want to go see. And they tend now to be big blockbuster type superhero films and they cost so much money to make that you know, just to get their money back, they have to open huge. It makes me laugh when a movie opens and, you know, they say it made $150 million on opening weekend and that's such a disappointment. You know, and I think back to, you know, when I was a kid and, you know, if a movie came out and made $150 million opening day, I mean, that would be considered amazing. Right. So... I think it's great those movies are out, and I love many of them, but I also really like the smaller films, too, you know, the independent, smaller film like the one I just did, you know. The only thing is, those types of films, it's probably so difficult for them to get a theatrical release that if you don't have uh, an actor of huge notoriety and popularity in it you're more than likely not going to get a theatrical release and even if someone is a known celebrity I know of some celebrities that are big stars and they'll choose to do a small indie film through their production company and they'll they'll just get a release in one or two theaters in Los Angeles you know and, right, it'll, small and, it, and it'll play you know for one weekend or something or a week if they're lucky so it's definitely different than it used to be you know in the old days of the studio system of course 
at that time the studios would turn out a lot of movies too that were really small little films and a lot of them weren't necessarily great and they would get into the theaters but a lot of that was because at that time the studios and the theaters were linked right and they would make a film and then it would automatically get into the theater but it's a different world now so i think all the current things that are being done are fantastic actually but it would be nice if some of the big movies that came out it like opened at the chinese that they weren't all necessarily these big superhero it would be nice to see a film of a different genre opening right in a theater like that there probably are some i'm just not totally well, i'm a no. little out of the loop yeah with, well uh, nobody's talking about it and so <laughs> i i honestly can't think of any either it's another thing that i've said on on the show several times and i'm sure you listeners will know the superhero pictures have taken over the industry and that may be an entire topic unto itself but mm. w- the big thing i think that you had said that struck me is you're right though studios used to not only do huge pictures but they'd also do smaller ones yes small pictures you don't see that anymore in the 90s when the independent film production companies started picking up where the studios left off because they were failing again similar to how they were in the 50s and the 60s the death of musicals now there's no longer these pretty good large studios doing independent films there's a bigger gulf now between the studios and the independents. Yeah, and the independent type film, you know, they'll premiere on Hulu or they'll be on HBO or they'll be on one of the cable platforms. And that's where you'll find films that in the old days of Hollywood would have been considered more the middle of the road films. But that's okay. But it would be fun, like I'm trying to imagine what it would be like to go to the Chinese theater and be watching one of the shows that's so popular now on one of the platforms as a film. Sure. You know, that would be quite an experience. Um, Whether we'll ever see films like that again on the big screen, I don't know. And, And there were films that weren't superhero films that were big films not that many years ago I mean I remember one of my favorite films it's over 20 years ago now is LA Confidential Yeah. and that's a great film and that's not a superhero film that's a detective yarn and that opened on the big screen in big theaters and I remember when that hit it was almost a surprise how well the public to it oh they loved it it was a great film it's a great film it deserves its notoriety right but But i'd like to see that type of film not that it has to be a detective yarn yeah sure but that type of film opening again on the big screen yeah not you know that doesn't have a superhero in it or (laughs) tons of explosions and you know lots of cgi and and lots of uh cgi Now, a movie that just opened, which I saw and is amazing, is The Jungle Book. Oh, is it so good? So go see The Jungle Book. This is John Favreau as the director, yes, who's a fantastic, fantastic director. It's fantastic. <coughs> and, there's, and it's not superhero. There you go. And, and I remember going to see the Disney... Well, this is Disney as well. Yeah. But I remember going to see the 1967 Jungle Book when I was a kid. The animated Jungle Book. And this new one pays uh, tribute to that in a lot of ways, but it's got all the new modern technology right. that brings it to another level. The, the whole jungle is created by computer, from what I understand, and all the animals. And it's, it's excellent, though. So there you go. There's a movie out right now. It's not superhero. And I think it's going to be a big hit, I hope. It's, it's, really, it's really well done. Now, I haven't seen it yet. And, of course, I'm familiar with the animated Disney version. And I also haven't ever read the book that it's all based on. Do you feel that it's overly influenced from the animated film? Because I feel well, Disney kind of does that sometimes. Well, it's interesting. There was a version of the Jungle Book made way back in the early 40s. 
in Hollywood, in the old days of Hollywood, called The Jungle Book, <laughs> um, with this really popular actor of, at that time named Sabu. And, and I remember seeing that on Turner Classic Movies once. It's full color, beautiful, but wow. it doesn't have the element of the Disney version with the songs, Bare Necessities, and all that. Sure. And it's excellent. And I think this new version did a pretty good job of bridging the feeling of that old 40s version, the adventure out in the jungle, with the animals singing. And that, I think it was, uh, personally, it, it was blended pretty well. And it works. But I don't know how many people remember the old version from the early 40s, The Jungle Book with Sabu. You know, Look the, it up on YouTube. You can see clips from it. The sad truth mm. is that's a fact of most of the great classic films. And I hate to sound like one of those people, well, the next generation doesn't appreciate what came before, but it's true. Well, it was interesting in the, the recent SAG Awards when Leonardo DiCaprio won for The Revenant. And he did mention the old stars of Hollywood and he mentioned that when he was young he watched lots and lots and lots of films and he paid tribute to them in a way when he said we all stand on the shoulders of giants and I really think it's important that a lot of young actors and filmmakers they really should watch a lot of the old Hollywood films. I mean, even even if some of them are corny or, you know, still, they're just worth watching. There's techniques used and, you know, you watch all these actors from that era and you see things that they did and you can learn, you can pick up something. I mean, I've been around so long, I remember all those films. I consider it a help that I seen all those films I remember all those all those films and you know and they they show them at the New Beverly Cinema yeah you got to go there like and watch uh, well I mean I remember going out to the movies used to be such a big deal now it's still a big deal like you go and see the Jungle Book opening night but I remember I'll just throw out a couple movies that I saw the Saturday night they opened in LA. I saw Jaws that way. I saw The Exorcist that way. Yeah. I saw Alien that way. So many movies I went and saw open Rocky, the original, and it was such a big deal. And it was before they split theaters up into little multiplexes. Right. And I remember seeing Jaws the Saturday night it opened at a theater in Century City. It's not there anymore. It was called the Plitt Century City. And the theater was like the size of the Shrine Auditorium. <laughs> and the screen was like this enormous screen. And you see Jaws in a theater that big. Yeah. The night it opened, you know, when some of those shock moments come and you have a theater that size of everyone in the audience screaming that is a real experience yeah such a treat to truly get that larger than life yes going to movies in the theater you know that was wow i'll never forget years ago i went to a huge theater like that and i saw on the waterfront a revised print a, a refurbished print of that film on a huge screen with amazing sound and I was so blown away by the time it ended. I was like, my God. You know, because we just see it on TV or whatever. But if you see some of these films in the original way they were originally intended to be seen. Oh, it's amazing. Uh, you just, yeah, okay. <laughs> and there's a huge difference between TV. Like, I, I just recently, maybe last year, saw Bridge on the River Kwai. In, oh, in, in, the a, in, on, in the theater on oh a big screen. Oh, my God. It was gorgeous. The immenseness of it, you know? Yeah, yeah. So mo- movies really were 
made to be seen on the big screen or yeah. m- big movies. You know, I don't know about a lot of the littler movies the studios used to turn out. I don't know if it was necessary for a lot of those to be seen on the big screen. But I'll never forget when I was like a teenager and I I went and saw Gone with the Wind uh, in a theater on the huge screen. And I was just like, I was just blown away by the technicolor, you know, and the you're just like speechless uh, when it ends to me the old three strip technicolor could not be better represented than on a huge screen yeah and even heavy dramas like I saw both of the Godfather films the weekend they opened I saw Godfather 1 the weekend it opened unbelievable blinds around the block (laughs) I mean amazing on the big screen Godfather 2 I saw the weekend it opened I mean, it was always such an event. Yeah. I, I used to go and see every new Woody Allen film the weekend it opened yeah. in, in Westwood on the big screen, lines around the block. And, it, you know, it was just like unbelievable. So, you know, and you have that now going to see like a big superhero film, like the, the one that just opened Batman uh, and Superman. And yeah. Superman. That is huge. I haven't seen that yet, but I mean, I'm sure that's a similar experience. I think it, you know it does, and it has a certain element of of its own enjoyment. There is just something magical about the theatrical experience as opposed to home video or elsewhere. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, it's true. It's definitely true. So I I miss that. I don't get out to movies on the big screen as often as uh, I used to. Another movie within the last 20 years that had that was Titanic. See, and that, that achieved that. To me, is the best example of the difference between theatrical viewership and television because, of course, after it came out, everybody owned it. Everybody watched it a million times in the theater. And then I watched it for 15 years or so, and then about four or five years ago, they re-released it into the theater, and I went with a friend, and I was just blown away. I was like... I remember how huge it was. Yeah, yeah. It's great seeing a good movie for the first time in a theater on the big screen. Right. There's really nothing quite like that. So So let this be our declaration to the film industry. Don't let film theaters go away. Oh, no, 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 no. We don't want movie theaters to go away. No. I mean, you hear the predictions about that so often. I've heard them a lot in the last few years, that theaters are going away, they're dying. I understand they're struggling, but to me, there can be no comparison. Yeah, yeah, I mean, if you're you're watching everything on your flat screen at home, you know, uh, that's nice and convenient and you save money, but I mean, if you really want an experience, you got to go out to the movies and, you know... You gotta spend a hundred bucks and buy popcorn. (laughs) (laughs) Well, things are only as special as you make them. Like we were saying a little earlier, you know, dress up, make it a big night. Go have a drink before with somebody that you're going with or go have dinner afterward. And they have those special movie theaters now where you can have dinner and drinks while you're watching the movie. I don't know how well they're doing. But I know, I know they're popping f- up everywhere. Yeah, are they popping up everywhere? Yeah, everywhere, oh. actually, because there's I've one seen in Pasadena here where you can go. Have you, and have you been to one? Yet? I have not. Where you? Can I go actually and- don't care for it myself. Oh, you have a lot of people with their clinking uh, silverware. Then you have the waiters coming back and forth, and you know you're missing the nuances of the film. Yeah. To, to me, the best food is theater food hand food, popcorn. You got your hot dogs, whatever. Yeah, that's you know. true. That's true. I. I don't know if I could eat a meal while sitting in a theater watching a movie. I'd be distracted at yeah. trying to eat my meal it's, it's and watch bit. the film. Yeah. Yeah. That's too tough for me at this point. Popcorn has always been the perfect combination. Yeah. And know? I haven't been to the New Beverly Cinema in a while, you know, that Quentin Tarantino yeah. owns now. And I used to go and watch revivals there all the time. You know the classic one films. that I go to, I've, I've only been to the New Beverly once, I think. And, and in fact, it may have been with... Uh, Paul that we were speaking of earlier, but I go to the Egyptian theater a lot. Oh yeah, the and Egyptian, they're great which is with the, the American, American Cinematheque. Cinematheque. Uh huh. Yes, I, I go there. In fact, I was there six years ago in 2010. They had a screening of uh, two Kim Novak films, and she was there after to speak. 
How awesome! And was it was that? Uh, it was amazing. It was How it was cool. so fantastic <laughs> to see her there and and hear her speak. Yeah, she was great. That's amazing. Unbelievable. <laughs> she was great. And I think the last double bill I saw at the New Beverly Cinema was Psycho and the Birds. Wow, what a combination. Yeah, that was an awesome double bill. <laughs> Two uh, refurbished prints. Psycho is amazing on the big screen, too. See, and that's I know I everyone's saw. seen that a zillion yeah. times, and, and everyone knows what it is. But I remember the first time I saw that back in the 60s, I didn't know what it was. I didn't know the story. And, I mean, you see that on the big screen and not know what you're watching... And that was like, my God, you know, so it's effective on the big screen. Even now to this day, it's effective. Well, we as filmmakers, we have a very specific medium that we're painting with light. And the theatrical experience has its huge merits and its own enjoyment. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So I don't know. I'll have to, you know. I'll have to get out more often to see movies on the big screen. Jungle Book was terrific, so hopefully that'll be the start of more. All right, Favreau, send him his, his check, his royalty <laughs> check for plugging your yes, film. Yes, right. I, uh, <laughs> yes, there you go. I'll, I'll leave my address. <laughs> All right, and I Studio think... 4 also. I plug them quite oh, a bit. Oh, quite too. a bit. James Franco's school. Young actors out there, go check it out. It's, it, he, I highly recommend. Either it. he's going to give you royalties, no, or he's no, going to no, sue no, no. me for it. No, 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 no. no. I, I've I've had a great time there, and I'll and I'll be you know I'll be I'll I'll be back taking another class there. You know if they can put up with the old man, I don't know. <laughs> you know. What are you looking forward to in the future? Are there any specific types of projects, genres, or characters that you're really oh just interested anything in? that I could do as long as I can keep walking. Yeah. <laughs> as long as I'm walking and breathing, you know, I could, could keep. I know, I know my dad, he was out of it for some years. And then, and then he got back into it when he was uh, 62. And he worked all the time until he was 76. So he was really busy for about 14 years doing tons of TV episodics and, and this was back in the 80s but all the TV shows at that time Cheers and Perfect wow. Strangers and The Golden Girls and Picket Fences and NYPD Blue and I, I remember he would like call me all the time yeah I'm working tomorrow on <laughs> NYPD Blue and oh, I'm working tomorrow on Golden Girls yeah. oh I'm working you know and he was just this old guy. <laughs> he was getting all these parts. So that was cool, you know. He ended up doing the whole end just as busy or even busier than he was when he was 19. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. So I was happy for him that that happened. And he did a lot of stage, too, at the end. I remember the last thing he ever did, he did a, a production of West Side Story. And I was like, West Side Story? And he was like 75 at the time. I go, well, Dad, what, what are you going to be, a shark or a jet? <laughs> and he goes, he goes, no, I'm not going to be a shark or a jet. I'm going to be Doc, the old guy that runs the little malt shop or whatever where the sharks and the jets meet all the time. It's like the only <coughs> older part in the whole show, other than Officer Krupke. Oh, that's what I was thinking you were going to say. Is Officer right, Krupke. there's Officer Krupke, there's a couple detectives, and then there's Doc, the old guy who runs the diner or yeah. whatever it is. And I went, oh, yeah, of course, that's right. And he doesn't sing either, that character. Oh, okay. So he did that, and I remember going to see him doing that, you know, and that was the last thing he did. I think he was 75 or 76. And even that, you know, he used to have to go to rehearsal three days a week and a grind. You yeah. Know? Even putting on a show is a lot of work. But if, if I can follow in his footsteps and be doing it at that age, you know, that would be great. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, hopefully I'll, you know. 
that's that would be a good way to go out. Just <laughs> I think that as long as you're continuing to follow something and it's making you happy, that's the beautiful thing. And that's what I've always wanted from my life. I just I never wanted to get to the age where I couldn't. Uh, in my youth, I was a photographer. I never wanted to not be able to have a shutter release. You know. Yeah. If I can still do things that are artistic, then I think I'm going to be happy. Yeah, and you have to. Uh, time goes really fast. Sure does. So you have to just do it. Sure does. The old Nike slogan, <laughs> just do it. Just do it. That I think it's a, it's a great slogan. Well, it's really good advice, actually. Because mm-hmm. if you start to think about it too much, and I mean, unless doing it would create a genuine hardship, then, you know, you have sure. to give some pause. But, <laughs> yeah. No time like the now. Definitely. Yeah, you have to just do it. Well, Jeff, I'm just in awe of your point of view, your passion towards your work. And I think we're all looking forward to seeing some of your stuff coming up soon. Good. So thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you for talking to me here. It's been my pleasure. It's been my pleasure. And uh, everyone, uh, Jeff Vernon, character actor. We look forward to seeing his stuff coming out. Look for his illustrations online. You can check that out on Amazon as well as with his acting career. Lots of great stuff coming up. Join us next week for another episode of Film Scene Tomorrow. And thank you for joining us. Film Scene Tomorrow podcast is owned by CBTTF Recording.